Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Vinyl. This um, episode, we are joined by the sophomore visit from Josh Rand, uh, guitar player with Stone Sour, and now just branching out and doing his solo project, uh, The Life Project. Super cool, super heavy. Um, he explains in this chat a little bit why it's <clears throat> it's it's heavy. Um, great guy, really great chat. Um, go out and, and check out the EP that's that's released today. Um, it's it's great, five great songs, and great to hear that there's more in the pipeline. So hopefully we'll get some more of the life project in the not too distant future. Um, great to have Josh. I hope you guys enjoy it and go out and support it. As I said, it's really really cool. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Josh Rand, welcome back to Behind the Vinyl. Oh, thank you for having me. Nice to see you, a, um, a second time visitor into, um, into our little, whatever it is, our little ecosystem, Nicholas and I have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, What's going on there? Like, like you changed rooms? No, I did. I just, I just, uh, <laughs> I just switched around because <laughs> I'm, I'm out in the countryside. Uh, we just arrived here today, and uh, after I talked to you, my, my, my phone was felt like it was burning up. Um, so, because I had it leaning against a pillow or something, it wasn't good for it. So now I have to hold it in my hand, and it's hot uh, as hell here. Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it is what it is. It's it's house number two for Nicholas. The music, the, <laughs> the music world is paying him well. <laughs> yeah, the, very the journalistic, the journalistic and school teaching world is paying him well. Yeah, my wife's parents' house, so that's uh, that's a big difference. <laughs> um, the life project. We actually discussed this briefly um, when you were last time on the show, uh, so it's it's finally nice to see it's come into fruition after all this time yeah it's it's been a lot of work but uh the end result's been awesome and the response has been great the end result is great and um the end result i've got to be honest it's it's a lot heavier than what i was expecting from what you were discussing in that first initial call well those songs still exist that i was talking about at that point um i think what happened is I became inspired on the piano, like I had mentioned, um, and wrote some stuff. And having that break from guitar when I came back to guitar, like, I don't even know, my timeline's all off, but like six months later, it just felt like, oh, I'm home again. And I felt inspired, like now to write on guitar. And then it was more of just getting back to why I picked up the guitar, where I made it a lot more riffier than what I had been writing up until this point over the last five years. Well, as, as a writer, I mean, do you, do you hear stuff in your head or is it that you're sitting down strumming on your guitar and you come up with stuff or how does that work? Or is it both? I usually, it comes uh, in my head and sometimes I forget stuff cause I just can't get it recorded in time on my phone or whatever yeah i have some some notes in there of me like going blah 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 that you know 
humming, humming a, a, you know, rhythmic pattern or whatever. But yeah, I rarely um, sit down and come and stumble across something strumming. It's usually, and the crazy thing for me is uh, once I get that initial riff or idea, I kind of know what the entire song structure is going to be. Like I write in like spurts. Like it's like, I might not write nothing for a month, two, three months. And all of a sudden I'll just, hit this wave of creativity and then it's like several songs in a couple of days or at least the rough sketch of them then I'll come back and then fine tune them but um, it usually always starts with just an idea in my head and then trying to figure out how to play it which can also be a challenge yeah wow cool speaking of the um the songs on the EP five songs on the EP it, is there anything there that you've had for like a couple of years any riffs you've been sitting on like the riff in uh nothing uh, nothingness or something like that anything you've been holding on for quite a few years wondering um, <clears throat> the nothingness has been around for a while um the original pass of it um i kind of made it a little bit more riffy when i went back and re-re-re-redid re the song i guess or re-recorded it uh from the original demo but um, everything else is pretty new, like uh, within the last year and a half, two years is like Ignite would be the oldest one, which would at this point would be about two years old. Yep. Let's let's focus on Ignite for a sec. Um, <laughs> Sorry, my phone was linked to my computer and somebody just called and about just blew my eardrums out. So I have my any <laughs> I have my in-ears in so you wouldn't get any echo on the mic. <laughs> I, that's I, why I my eyes got all big i was like holy crap that dial to her you know <laughs> ringtone was like set to stun <laughs> um zooming in we'll come back to the nothingness but um ignite um you said it was kind of newly written did you write that you, you're playing the seven string from monkey on it right bit of a weird yes. tune on that song as well you know yeah I, what's the corn tuning so it's it's a seven string tuned to a so it's a full step down i left the guitar is exactly set up as it was set up for monkey All and right. i just kept it in that tuning and then uh you know the beginning of 19 when i just was starting to kick around ideas that was the guitar i, I grabbed i was just like man i really have never tried to write or do anything on a seven string before and then i came up with the music for ignite it's scary. It's scary, man. You know, that that or you know, you sometimes you walk into Meshuga studio or something and you see their their ironing boards, you know, which uh the, the neck of the guitar is like an ironing board. It's fucking so big and so many strings. Right. It's well yeah, I mean uh, what those guys are are they on to the nine string that Ibanez makes now? Eight, definitely an eight <laughs> string there. Well, know? I know that they they have their own signature eight strings, but I was like, yeah, maybe I know Ibanez just released the nine string, and I'm just like, it's too intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> I could ride through 
George, you've been in Stone Sour for 20 years now. From what I understand, Stone Sour was your first band, is your, has been your only band. How, speaking of intimidation, how intimidating was it for you to step out and, and do a solo project after? Well, actually, that's a lie. You were on Roadrunner United, right? Correct. Yeah. For one, but I didn't really contribute on that. I was just asked to play. I played rhythm guitar on a Matt Heafy track. So, um, you know, that's really the only time I've stepped out of Stone Sour to do anything. But this is all all me for this. And it, it was, um, you know, obviously there's, uh, after 20 years in Stone Sour, there's just, you're protected by the shield as I, you know, put it so on this it was like it's it is scary because it's like I don't know if people are gonna like it it's just different you know and, and the also the fact that I um handled so much of it even made it more stressful and scary it's like you know I don't have a record company that to back me up you know it's like it's on me to and friends to help try to promote this at this point so uh it's exciting, scary, and liberating all at the same time. It's a bunch of mixed emotions depending on what actually is going on, you know, at, at the time. Yeah. Because going into Stone Sour, how, when you bring a song into Stone Sour, how much input does generally does everyone else have? You know, they pick and pull it apart and add and contribute and so on and so forth? Um, yeah, for me for how I contribute is I usually write the song and then Corey is the only person that hears it first and then writes lyrics and melodies. And if there's going to be any arrangement changes or uh, maybe a part change and we kind of get stuff to where it needs to be for us to be happy. And then it's given to the rest of the guys. And with them, it's, there's a freedom to do, to get obviously creative with it, but, um, Roy will tell you I'm kind of difficult with the drums <laughs> of how the drum parts are. Um, I've gotten a lot better over the years, but um, I think now it's more of I always just tell him, I don't care what you play as such, as long as it has that feel of, you know, because I love to write with dynamics and the pushing and pulling. Um, so it's like, yeah, you can play whatever drum beat, but can it just be half time or double time here and that? So. But that's how it usually works uh, in the writing process for Stone Sour, which then, of course, this time for me, it's really no different except for um, whatever I write as far as the other instruments is what the final is versus somebody taking it and, and making it their own. Hmm. Are, are you a perfectionist? I think, yeah, I mean... We, we had discussed uh, about me and mixing and I don't know very many, well, this is the beauty of being on your own label uh, or whatever is, I don't know anybody of not liking the guitar tone on, in mixing and then go, I need an extra week so I can go back and re-record all the guitar tracks and bass tracks, which I did do on this. So uh, you, you did it on the EP. Yeah. Josh Wilbur had started mixing and then, uh, which was, it was all right because actually he was working with uh, Trivium and getting ready to work on Lamb of God. So mm -hmm. I basically asked him to have a break to go back and re-record stuff. 
And that's what we did. We took like a two uh, two week break, I think, or something like that. And then I just hammered uh, out redoing the guitars and the bass. Um, I wanted, sonically, I wanted it to sound a certain way and I didn't want it to sound, um, as crazy as it sounds, I didn't want it to sound modern. And what I mean by that is I wanted to make sure that the drums and the uh, didn't have the same couple of samples and I wanted to make sure my guitar was actually the real track that I recorded and it wasn't going to be reamped same with the bass and so to get that stuff to par where I wanted it that's what I had to do is go back and re-record stuff again right and and you must be super happy now you know because it's it that's probably a thing that would bug you forever and a day if you would have kept the original tracks on there yeah, I, I think it's awesome too. I, I mean, I'm not gonna. Everybody thought I was a little crazy in the beginning, but um, you know, after the fact, everybody uh, it's like you actually made the right decision. So um, that feels good too, especially with several people that I completely respect their opinion yep. um, coming back and saying, "Yeah, you were right. It was smart to redo the guitars, and it was." Uh, the right suggestion of making asking Josh to make the mix more round versus just hammering everybody. Cause if you notice, it's actually a little bit quieter and that's a credit to, to Josh and to uh, Paul Otis, who was the master engineering engineer. Cause I told him, I was like, like, you know, we're in a day and age where everybody thinks everything needs to just be slammed hundred percent i'm like there's no dynamics to anything it's just stuff doesn't breathe yeah it's loud that's cool i guess but um everything i love has dynamics and i felt um i'm like even if it's a little bit quieter compared to everybody else's stuff that's coming out i'm fine with that if as long as it feels and breathes you know that was the important thing and i like i said i think those guys achieved it i think we achieved it here recording it um, those guys killed it in, on their side of things. It's been so long since I could feel the rhythm of you. And it feels so wrong to leave, but this is overdue. Oh, I dreamt of my heartache and I felt the pain. Yeah, it hangs above me every day. And
you did you bring anything in for them as an example? No, um, I'm sure Josh Wilbur, if you interviewed him, would probably have some good words for me during this process <laughs> about me. Uh, but I just kept pushing and pushing. I, the nothingness, um, I believe it was mix 11 that you, you, you the world got to hear. All right. Okay. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. So, yeah. so getting back to being a perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Also, I just want to, I want to bring back to our last conversation that we had. Um, I think you, you, Randy was, was mixing that record, right? Uh, Randy Stubb? Mixing which record? Mixing Stone Sour. Um, yes, he did Come Whatever May and Audio Secrecy. Exactly. And I think Come Whatever May, I think you actually rung up Randy Stubb and told him, hang on a sec, we got to you know, I want you to remix this, which is a golden don't do it to the guy that, that yeah. Metallica. So I, I can understand you. What did you say? 12 times for this? 11. 11 times. 11. It's, a, it's a little bit excessive. Well, not every song. <laughs> it's just, just the nothingness. I think every other song was like mix four and five, which is still a lot, but I think it's, it's there, you know, it, it's, and at the end of the day, like I told him and he totally understood, it's like, you get to move on to the next record when you're done with this. I have to live with it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I right. mean, so, you know, and thankfully he understood and he kept working at it and eventually we got it to where it's at. And I think it sounds pretty awesome. I'm like, we got a super low tight, uh, bottom end without it woofing and just the guitars are bitey and everything is crisp and clean you know well doing all that extra work i mean was there a moment where you thought what the fuck am i doing um probably <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm, i've i've had a couple of those moments um in this process, not necessarily in the creative side and recording side, it's more of the the uh, the other side of things. Like the, like I said, the record because label I, side, the record company side. Oh yeah, I, it, yours truly is like packaging these records and, and all this stuff. It's like, and how much goes into? I didn't realize um, how much went into making a CD and the coding within the CD and it became a problem, honestly. And it was very stressful for me because I had the CD manufacturing telling me I need the bar, we need the barcode and these codes. Then I signed a digital deal with Blood Blast and those guys wouldn't release the stuff to me until after the deal was signed by me. And I was just, for like two and a half weeks, I'm like, I'm gonna lose my mind. I can't get, who would have ever thought uh, that the vinyl would be done and pressed and at my house before these damn CDs would be. And literally that's how it happened. It was crazy. Cause I had, I knew obviously being into vinyl, I knew the manufacturing takes forever. So uh, I found a great company uh, called blue sprocket, which actually the mastering engineer, Paul Otis uh, suggested. And I held a spot all the way back in December. 
Like we weren't even done recording. I'm like, it was very important for me with this project because I knew like everything would be in my hands anyway. I was like, I want to make sure people have the physical copies on the damn release date. Yep. Because now we've gotten into this whole thing. Nobody wants to press anything until you do your pre-orders so they can see what the numbers are, blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, you order something. Three months later, you get an email and it says, it's not available. This is what <laughs> happened to me last year. I was about freaked out because it was a Christmas gift. Um, and I'm like, son of a bitch. And uh, so with this, I was like, we're going to be ahead of the game. I'm contacting all these people. We're going to have physical copies in people's hands the day that it comes out, which I'm super proud that that's going to happen, hmm. especially on three different formats. I mean, vinyl, CD, and cassette. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Nice. <laughs> nice. And, and you also come like this, some just so everyone knows, you've got signed vinyls as well, numbered, hand-numbered. Yeah. All, all physical copies are for all three formats. Everything is hand signed, hand numbered. Um, and each thing comes with like, I added a special guitar pick to each thing. It's, it's more with the vinyl than, than the cassette and the, the CD. So I basically made the guitar pick match the color of vinyl. So for instance, the glow in the dark vinyl comes with the glow in the dark guitar pick. The uh, white vinyls is going to have the white guitar pick and etc you know which i was i thought was really cool and it just changes it up and of course for all the collectors out there they're like great we got four albums that we have to try to pick up and everything is so short print um yeah. it's going to be a challenge honestly it was i even had to buy believe it or not uh two of the coke bottle clear ones back from myself which is okay. crazy to me because they had already sold all of them in a pre-order it's it's an exclusive the coke bottle clear there's only a hundred and it's an exclusive to a record store here in des moines and omaha and he's of course tied into this big network so he had already sold all of them and he's like i can't give you any and they and there was none extra from the manufacturing so i'm like crap I have to buy them because I have to at least have two copies for myself or the whole back for my kids. So it's like, son of a bitch. And then uh, I didn't, I guess I uh, overlooked that one. So I'll learn next time that uh, I need to make a little bit, a couple extras. Yep. But yeah, so it's stoked on the stuff. And like I said, yours truly has done all of it. I mean, Cassandra signed the cover also, but um, hand numbered. I replaced all the sleeves. So since we're talking about vinyl, hmm. I hate those white paper sleeves, the cheap ones. Yeah. They destroy records. So I went through I, a friend of mine that owns the uh, that record store, and he was able to get me um, the nice archive sleeves, oh, nice. the polys, yeah. at cost. And he's like, I just just cover the cost. And they so I switched all of that stuff out too. So those all come with. Uh, nice poly sleeves and everything also comes with a resealable outer sleeve, clear outer sleeve. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Totally Excellent. took everything to the next level. I mean, obviously I'm a collector, <laughs> so you know that it's gotta be, it's gotta be at the level that I would have my stuff. So yeah. you can tell you're a collector with doing just the resealable outside 
slipcase. That's great. Yeah. That's nice.
but there are more songs written, right? There's all up. You've done 13 songs. Correct. They're not a hundred percent finished. That's why these five I felt were finished. So, but yes, we're up to 13 at this point. Okay. Any, any of those recorded yet? Demos. Yes. Demos. All of them. Yeah. They're all work in progress. There's a couple of them that I'm sure will be on the next release. But, but but Cassandra and and you, did you did you have writing session, sessions together, or had you already written everything music wise, or how did that work? Yeah, that's how it worked. Musically, right. everything was already written. It's, like I said, it's the writing process for me is no different, except for instead of Corey, it's Cassandra. Right. So it's right. like here here's the music, and this is where I'm at. Run with it. And then uh, we'll take it from there and see if stuff needs to be adjusted or changed. Cool. All right. Yeah, we've, we've kind of skipped over Cassandra so far. So let's focus a bit on her. So you found her from Dave Rath, which is the A&R, your, your A&R, Stone Sour's A&R at Roadrunner Records. Mm -hmm. um, and you also, you kind of demoed some acoustic, some uh, cover songs, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, which which songs did you do uh we did the first song we did was blondie call me mm -hmm. uh and then led zeppelin immigrant song in excess uh never tear you apart um got to get you into my life the beatles okay trying to think uh van halen when it's love um <laughs> I think that's it at this point. In, in excess, I, in, yeah. in excess is a weird one to. Or I love. Unusual. I love the band. Yeah. I, I over the last couple of years, it's like I've grown super fond, which is so funny because obviously growing up, I, I'm sure I hated it, and you know, it's not metal, it's not fast, and you know, <laughs> it's so. Uh, but now it's like my my taste broaden so much um and i don't really listen to that much heavy stuff anymore unless i'm driving um so yeah it was an interesting thing but it also gets back to just not only trying out her voice but if you notice with those songs they're all very keyboard and piano based very much so yeah so now we get back to where i was at that point where i said oh it's going to have all this piano and stuff and that's what i was you know drawing that inspiration or whatever from so now we're uh we've kind of switched gears of both of us just being ourselves which obviously is kind of sets us into that uh you know, the latest song, World on Fire, I see us more headed in that direction moving forward. I just got to say that that uh, In Excess, their album Kick, no. is one of the best pop rock albums ever. I just love that album. Yeah, they're a great band. Yeah. Like I said, I grew, I found a newfound love towards this band in the last couple of years. So... Yeah, that was that was a band I grew up with being Australian. That was just um, that were that was that were giant. They were like the biggest band in the show. Oh, so I can only imagine back in the day. Yeah. Um, I just lost my track where I was going to go. I was gonna oh, 
yeah, Cassandra, I, I, I think her singing is amazing, absolutely amazing. But when she really opens up, you know, that's when she, you really see the class and the range that she's got, you know. Um, I, I, th I think she's, she's sensational. Yeah, um, and I'm pulling her, I'm pulling the reins back on her more than what she she wants because I just um, my vision for her and where she could go is I think far beyond what she thinks she's actually capable of doing at this point. So it's like I know that you can open it up, but if you also do that constantly, then it's not special for those moments where you do open it up and it's like holy crap, and everybody sits back. And I've really been trying to. That was the other thing with the covers is trying to get her to get out of her comfort zone, just like I do with guitar. It's like, you know, if you constantly just fall on what you know, then you're never going to grow and everything's going to always sound similar or the same. So it's like, um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I think that she's a star in the making. I mean, to be quite honest, I think the sky is the limit for her. Well, what had she been doing before this? She has her own band and she actually right. plays. Yeah. So she's, I mean, they play out every weekend. And so she's been singing, I think since she was like four years old. So, but, um, you know, <clears throat> I'm trying to get her to step out and listen to different stuff or older stuff that she might not have listened to. You know, she has that classic, uh, rock vibe melody you know you hear you know she listens to some of the hair metal stuff of the 80s and more of the alternative stuff of the 90s and um in fact we're actually texting right now because i was like hey i want you to check these songs out and i'm like i'm gonna send you four songs from 1986 and it's gonna be damage incorporated rain and blood <laughs> wake up dead and probably caught in a mosh <laughs> so, so he's like i've never heard one song from anthrax i was like what <laughs> where so, has she been how can she not have heard anthrax yeah, so, yeah it's just saw them what you're into you know so um so yeah but she's she's awesome love it yeah um Live-wise, um, you're obviously wanting to take this out. or Is there a plan to take this out on the road? Hopefully next year. Um, you know, the EP was just to set the groundwork for us and get people to take notice in what we were doing. Um, then COVID happened, which kind of screwed us up making, you know, building a band because it was like I had mentioned, it was like we were on complete lockdown at my place. So I'm thinking next year, um, hopefully the rest of this year we'll be, uh, working on the next EP or full length for next year. And, uh, unfortunately I gotta, I gotta take care of some stuff with my body anyway. So, um, I gotta probably have my right knee scope now again, or, you know, the opposite knee that I, you know, from what I tore and whatever, a couple years ago. Yeah. And then, um, I'm having some massive back issues. So um, surgery might be on the horizon for me. And I think I might just knock this stuff out this year. So then hopefully I can be 100% healed for next year. 
the 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 back issues anything to do with carrying a guitar around no i have a slip disc and arthritis and like four vertebrae so yeah so i think uh it's two different issues with the arthritis they're gonna go in in a couple weeks and burn off the nerve endings which will last me for like 12 to 16 months hopefully and then and then the other thing uh i don't know what what they're gonna do as far as the slip disc yet because right now the arthritis is what's killing me so we're gonna we're just taking one thing at a time and uh see what happens but yeah because you're you're an old sports did you tell me once that you're an old sports sportsman you're yeah at school yeah. I, I love playing all the sports. I literally think all my back issues come from that stupid low mid slamming crap in the early 2000s of bending over and <laughs> having the weight of the guitar and bent over. And it's like, that's where all my back issues really probably came from. Right. So, yes. um, so yeah, that's why I switched back to headbanging because it's like, it's less wear and tear. Uh, that's what I say. You know, exercise is not good for you.
out of out of the three songs that are, that are out there at the moment, the nothingness ignite uh, a world on fire. What's um what's tickling your fancy at the moment? Which one are you you really enjoying at the moment? Um, for me, it's a world on fire. Um, it's a song that I always wanted to write um, and possibly tried to write before and just couldn't do it. It's just those transitional transitions from throughout the song. Yep. I always wanted to have, uh, like I said, I love dynamics. I love pushing and pulling. Um, but I wanted to always have this big release where it became orchestral and not make it sound forced. And it was like, I finally pulled it off with this song. You know, you have that tension and it builds and then it goes to that chorus and it just, it honestly becomes another song, but it doesn't sound forced, you know, which is really hard when you do try to do something like that of not making it feel like to the listener, like, oh my God, you know, you just hit the brakes when you were doing a hundred miles an hour. Um, so, that's the that's the main song. I mean, I love the riffs in the nothingness. You know, oh, it's, it's um, a great and and that's a great solo in in the nothingness as well. I really like that. Yeah. Awesome, thanks. Um, you know, obviously with every song and especially in this situation, they all mean something to me because I've put so much work into it and just every little aspect of it. It's not just guitar. Yep. Nice. There's a, there's a tiny little thing. I was going to say it's bugging me. It's not bugging me. I quite enjoy it. In Ignite, there's something in the solo right at the end. It's it's like about a an eighth of a second where you kind of, I think you're sitting on the tremolo a little bit and it reminds mm. me of Mick Mars. It's, oh, um, interesting. It's just every time it gets to that part of the solo, it's literally right at the end and you just sit on it. It kind of has that Dr. Feel Good. You know how he kind of rides the tremolo a little bit on the... Uh, on the intro of Dr. Feelgood. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So why well, did a couple of weird tremolo stuff on on the on this in the life project solos more so than I probably have ever done. I mean I did that. I did some bar flutters um in World on Fire, which is kind of I kind of took that from the Night Ranger guys. Right. They did it on uh uh can still rock in America I think is where I think it's Jeff Watson that actually does those bar flutters and I always thought it was the coolest thing and then I had that opportunity I was like oh I'm gonna do bar flutters in, in this and it's actually hard as shit to do and not get the rest of the strings to make noise I, I found out it was pretty difficult but yeah a lot more trim stuff on on this stuff than I've ever played yep has, oh. is this is this kind of made you tighter as a guitar player uh I don't know. I, I I guess I didn't think about that as, as such. I just I just roll with whatever feels natural yeah. at this point. Um, my focus now has become more of less practice and more on just trying to write and create for better or for worse, you know. And instead of sitting down and doing the one two three four and all the metronome stuff, I've done so much of that over the years. It's just That'll also burn you out and make you not want to play guitar after a while versus actually trying to create a song. Yeah. 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 Huh. And, and um, the, the title, The Life Project, is that, is that going to be the, um, well, life being 
l.i.f.e. Is there anything in that? Mm. There is. There's, it's a personal meeting towards me, but I'm not telling anybody what it is yet because I just want to have fun with it. Uh-huh. I want to see what people come up with or whatever. I, I mean, we had so much fun in Stone Sour with 303150 for so long. And then <laughs> are you a, you know, are you a 41? Actually, what is it? Are you for a? I don't even remember the title. That's good. That's great. Yeah, I know that song I wrote. I don't even remember the title. 